Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Genesis chapter 7. We're actually going to do Genesis 7 and 8 this morning. And we are looking at entering the ark, the biblical flood, Genesis 7 and 8. We'll pick it up at Genesis 7 verse 1. Uh, in our world, you guys know that you've got to buy insurance for just about everything these days. You've got home, you've got auto, you've got life. You've got uh, different things. Uh, Southern California need earthquake insurance in certain regions. You need flood insurance. And my question out of the gate is, do you have flood insurance? I'm not talking about the regular flood insurance. I'm talking about flood insurance in the sense of your soul. It's amazing that we will insure everything from a car to a home, but Jesus said you will forfeit your own soul. What would it profit a man if he gains how much? The whole world and forfeits his soul. What are you going to give in exchange for your soul? What's the value of your soul? If I asked you, if I could have your eyes for $10 million, would you give me your eyes? No, because your eyes are precious to you. That's how you see the world. And so in the same way, your soul is even more precious. Would you be willing to give your soul for a a little bit of pleasure in the world? What's it worth to you? That's the question that's here before us. Let's pray. Father, as we talk about entering the ark, we want to bow before your majesty. We know that your word is breathed out by you and it is profitable, but it is profitable for those who are good ground. The word is like seed and it produces in good soil. Make us good soil, Lord. Sweep out the things that easily uh, distract us and harden our hearts to your word. Help us to have faith. Help us to be men and women like Noah who are willing to enter the ark and deal with all that goes with it. As we talk about salvation in the ark, we're also going to get some principles on how to go through storms as believers, how to deal with floods in our lives. And I thank you that you are faithful to see us all the way to that destination, all the way home. So Lord, may you add and take away from what I've prepared. May you give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to your church. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. So last time we were together, we looked at the idea of Noah building the ark. And we looked at the Hebrew word for ark. It's teva in the Hebrew picture language. And it means the house of the sign. And the ark became the house of the cross. It became a picture of salvation from judgment. And so Noah was given this work of faith. He was called to build the ark. And scholars believe that he built it over a period of 120 years. And he, he hammered away at the ark and he preached to the people. He was a preacher, 2 Peter 2.5, of righteousness. And he preached and he preached and he hammered away. And only eight people got onto that ark. Of all the people that lived in the world, only eight took the way of escape, Noah and his family. Now it was time to enter the ark, and now it was time for the flood to come. It says in Genesis 7, look at verse 1, Then the Lord said to Noah, Enter the ark, 
You and all your household, for you alone I have seen to be righteous before me in this time. Last week when we were together, I told you this is your time. It is your time to maximize for God's purposes. And Noah alone was found to be righteous in his time. And he impacted his family. You remember the Philippian jailer? Uh, Paul and Silas are in prison and they are singing songs at midnight, though they are, uh, they are strapped in and they have been beaten. And the prisoners were listening and an earthquake came and shook everything. And the Philippian jailer bowed down trembling and said, what must I do to be saved? Acts 16.31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Remember how it goes? You and your household. The Bible does not uh, guarantee household salvation. Salvation is an individual thing. But when a mom or a dad gets saved, inevitably the children tend to follow. And Noah's three sons followed them onto the ark. When I was on the mission field, I was preaching literally hut to hut in the back rice fields in Nepal. And our guides and our interpreters would say that the way that you could win a village is by winning the men of the village. The, the women and the children tended to follow the lead of the men. And so I remember literally going hut to hut. And I stopped at this place and this family opened up their hut to me and all the village people gathered. And through a translator, I shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. I remember two young people get, got saved, at least two and they wanted to take a picture with me. And so I was there. We're in these rice fields. They were about to take a picture. And all of a sudden, the teenage girl had disappeared. And I said to the translator, where did she go? And he said, oh, she went to put on a new dress. And I said, women are the same everywhere in all the world. And she came out with this beautiful dress out of this hut. It was amazing. And the village listened to the hope of Jesus. And here's what's amazing. They told me through the translator, that was the first time they had ever heard of Jesus Christ. Now that will floor you. We take it so for granted that the ark is available to everyone in every place, but Noah had a work to do, and he built the ark by faith, and by his act of faith, he condemned the world. He was a righteous man. He alone was righteous. And if you're going to be righteous, you're going to be swimming against the tide. You all know that. It's easy to go with the flow of the world, and now God says it's time to enter. It's time to come into the ark, as the New King James puts it. Come into the ark. Coming into the ark is a picture of salvation. Have you done that? Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Noah's name means rest. The ark is a picture of rest, but not from everything. Rest in Jesus, but he still had to ride out the storm. When you come to Jesus Christ, you come just as you are. But it doesn't mean that you're not going to have floods in your life. It doesn't mean you're not going to have bumpy times. Doesn't it seem like in life, glassy, uh, tranquil times are the exception? <laughs> we seem almost to move from one storm to the other, just when things appear to be calm. And it's time to come into the ark. It's time to come to Jesus. The Spirit and the bride say... Come, he who is thirsty, come. Take of the waters of life without cost. Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you life. And the Lord said, enter, come into the ark. 
you and all your household, for you alone I've seen to be righteous before me in this time. I have seen you. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Genesis 6, 8, God sees. For the eyes of the Lord, 2 Chronicles 69, move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose hearts are completely his. Psalm 34, 15 says, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. One brother came up to me and said, Pastor Michael, when you were talking about the eyes of the Lord, you should have added that he can't take his eyes off of us because he loves us so much. That's really a great thought. The question is, do we believe that? Do we believe that that's how much God loves us? Proverbs 5, 20 through 23 says, For why should you, my son, be exhilarated with an adulteress. This is how Noah's world was. They were twisted in their thinking, twisted in their behavior. Every thought and intent of their heart was only evil continually. The earth was violent. And the writer of Proverbs says, Why should you be exhilarated with her, my son, and embrace the bosom of a foreigner? For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. His own iniquities will capture the wicked. And he will be held with the cords of his sin. He will die for lack of instruction. And in the greatness of his folly, he will go astray. And in that world, so many people, tangled by the cords of sin, did not believe Noah. And they, they waited and they went about their business as usual. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were given in marriage. They were buying and selling and planting until the day that Noah entered the ark. They just would not believe him. And Jesus says the flood came and took them all away. Jesus believed in a biblical flood. Jesus believed in a historical Noah. Jesus believed that the ark of Noah was historic. Do you? There's so many so-called experts who comment on the story of Genesis 6 through 8. But I'll tell you this, Jesus believed it and he, if he believes it, so do I. The eyes of the Lord, Proverbs 15.3, are in every place Watching the evil and the good. A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. Proverbs 15, 3 and 4. The idea there is God knows what we do. He knows what we're up to. He knows what we say. He knows when we make that biting and cutting comment. And isn't it amazing? He still loves us. If you're on the ark, you're sealed in Jesus Christ. You shall take with you every clean animal by sevens. This is verse 2, chapter 7, of every clean animal by sevens. Now, we've all had the image of Noah's ark that they came in pairs, two by two, but actually the clean animals came in sevens. Three pairs plus one. You ask, well, what's that about? Some would say that was for food and sacrifice, but I'm not sure the clean animals were being eaten at this time. So the main reason is for food. Others say that clean animals were given in triple pairs to proliferate the clean animals and kind of get their kinds going and the variations within species going. And so they came by sevens, probably three pairs, male and female, and then one extra for sacrifice. Genesis 8.20 tells us that when Noah, take a look at it, when Noah built an altar to the Lord, he gets off the ark. Genesis 8.20, he took of every clean animal, and of every clean burden offered burnt offerings on the altar, right? As he gets off the ark, he starts making 
sacrificial offerings, hence the need for clean animals. And so they came in sevens, and the unclean animals came in twos. Notice, and of the animals that are not clean, verse 2, chapter 7, two, a male and his female, and also of the birds of the sky by sevens, male and female, to keep offspring alive on the face of the earth. And so the animals come in sevens, and they walk up in pairs and with the one extra for sacrificial purposes. For after seven days, verse 4, seven more days, I will send rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights, and I will blot out from the face of the land every living thing that I have made. At the end of the culmination of the story of Noah's work of faith, God says there's a week left. There's seven days left. Some people take the seven days and compare that to the seven last years, the time that's uh, been called Daniel's 70th week, the last seven years before the return of Jesus Christ. And the last seven years may represent a final warning to the people of the world. You've got seven more days. When the prophet goes around Nineveh and he says, 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. You see 40s and 7s. 7 is the number of completion or perfection. 40 is a number for purging and preparation and even purification. And so seven days, the clock is ticking. I mean, this has been going on for a long time. And God now says there's a week left. Some believe the seven days incorporates the death of Methuselah. Methuselah's name means his death will bring it or bring the flood. And some believe he died and then they took seven days to mourn him. But after seven more days, I will send rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights and I will blot out from the face of the land Notice, every living thing that I have made. God is always true to his word. He is always faithful to do what he said. And Noah did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. He was faithful. You're going to see this over and over again. Noah did, Noah did, Noah did. James 1.21 and 22 says, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, In humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers only who delude themselves. Noah was a doer. You must put yourself in this story, are you? What would you have done if God spoke to you? Do you know that eminent scholars believe, and this is some speculation, that Noah may not have been the only man that God was talking to. But Noah was the one that responded to God. That's speculation, but it is interesting because God is not willing that any, what, perish, but that all come to repentance, and Noah did. By this we know that we love the children of God, 1 John 5, 2 and 3, when we love God and observe his commandments. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. If you love somebody, you're going to back it up with your actions. That's simply what the Bible says. You're saved by grace, but your life will reflect that relationship. Someone that you love, you want to please them. You want to bless them. We have a lot of people who can say words, but words are cheap. Actions are really what show what love is. And Noah was, man, he was old. He was 600 years old. When the flood of water came upon the earth. He was an experienced guy. We know that uh, people live longer in the pre-flood days 
when the water canopy was over the earth, it seemed to produce a greenhouse effect. Probably tropical weather was everywhere. And so lifespans were increased. You didn't have the ultraviolet rays and all of that. And Noah was 600 years when the flood of water came upon the earth. Then Noah and his sons and his wife, she's never named in the account, she's simply Mrs. Noah, and his son's wives with him entered the ark because of the water of the flood, of clean animals and animals that are not clean and birds and everything that creeps on the ground. There went into the ark to Noah by two or pairs, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came about after seven days that the water of the flood came upon the earth. In the 600 year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, the Bible does this over and over again, giving exact dates. On the same day, all the fountains of the great deep burst open and the floodgates of the sky were opened. When the world was made, God made the water above and the water below. And what happened when God released the flood is not just simply 40 days of rain. If it rained in Southern California for 40 days, things would be wet. We'd have some mudslides, but we wouldn't have a worldwide flood, folks. What happened was the floodgates were poured out from heaven. The water that seemed to be above creating this canopy greenhouse effect that was above the world was released on the world. That's probably why it's no longer there. And underneath there was something like geysers or uh, waters, you know, most of the world is water, and the water was released, and it was coming from torrential downpour floodgates from above, and the fountains of the deep burst open from beneath, and the flood came, and it was a cataclysm. It wasn't some light shower, I wonder if the heavy stuff's going to come down in a little while, no, no, no. It was a instantaneous boom. And it would appear from the language here that the people went about their business until that very moment when this happened. The rain fell upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. The number 40 I mentioned to you, purification, testing, preparation. And on the very same day, notice verse 13, Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife and three and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They didn't enter the ark seven days before. The seven days may have been to make final preparations as well. May have been to gather all the animals and to accommodate them. They got into the ark, and when they got into the ark, that's when the flood came. And the people were going about business as usual. If you lived next to Noah and you saw all these animals coming, wouldn't you start to kind of believe Hmm, this is interesting. He's not even whistling and they're coming. I mean, come on, something supernatural is going on here. But they continued eating, they continued drinking, they continued setting up their wedding days like nothing was happening. And Jesus said, and the flood came and took them all away. It will be just that same way when the Son of Man is revealed. The two illustrations, write this down. This is Luke 17, verse 20, through chapter 18, verse 8. The two illustrations that Jesus gives for his second coming comparisons are Noah's flood and Sodom and Gomorrah. And Jesus says, 
The day that Noah went into the ark, God shut the door and the flood came. And when Lot was going out of Sodom and Gomorrah, you guys know the angels were pulling him by the hand and the fire and brimstone was coming down. Just as they were going out, the flood of judgment was coming down. And it will be just that same way at the coming of the Son of Man. There are some good scholars, wonderful believers who believe that the church will be raptured before that last seven years. There are others who hold in what's called boom-boom eschatology. That's from the Italian, just so you guys know. And what that would look like is that the church will go through some trouble, some persecution and tribulation, and be rescued just like Noah was rescued just before the flood, just like Lot was rescued just before the fire came down, spared the wrath of God, but not necessarily spared persecution. In fact, we just prayed on our knees last Sunday for all the millions of persecuted Christians around the world. Persecution is happening. I'm sure you've noticed it's been the church's lot for two millennia. Eleven of the twelve apostles were martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ. So, any idea of a, an escape hatch from tribulation should be out of our minds because that's no guarantee. But I do hope that we go prior to the seven years. I've said that many times. We can, uh, that's an in-house debate. But the point is, this is how it happened. On the very same day, look at verse 13, that they entered the ark, then the flood came and took them all away. It would appear that rapture and wrath may happen on the same day. They and every beast after its kind, 14, and all the cattle after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, all sorts of birds. So they went into the ark to Noah by twos of all flesh which is, in which was the breath of life. And those that entered, male and female of all flesh, entered as God had commanded him, and the Lord closed the door or closed it behind him. Yahweh closed the door. I read one writer who said that he believes that maybe God was inside the ark and closed the door. I read another author who says God was outside sealing the door. But either way, God's the one who shut the door. The time and the opportunity came to a close. Call upon the Lord while he is near, the Bible says. Call while you yet have breath in your lungs. Call while you have opportunity. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. It's as though God were pleading through us for people to be reconciled to God. There should be a sense of urgency in our preaching, you guys. We need to pray for people. We need to present the gospel. We cannot pull them into the kingdom, but we certainly can persuade if we believe that it's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God, we will plead with people to get on the ark of salvation. Do you believe that? That's what, well, that was weak. That's what we ought to be doing. We need to get on the ark and be saved. And God shut the door. The Bible teaches us that Jesus is the door. He is the way. And the truth is, and the life. And then this poignant moment in the text, then the flood came upon the earth for 40 days. And the water increased and lifted up the ark so that it rose above the earth. This was no smooth sailing. This had to be 
some heart-wrenching moments, some moments of fear as the ark began to move and it began to rise along with the waters that rose. Behold, Job 12, 14 says, He restrains the waters and they dry up and He sends them out and they inundate the earth. Job 12, 14. And it rained and it rained 40 days and 40 nights and the water prevailed and increased, verse 18, greatly upon the earth And the ark floated on the surface of the water. I've got nothing in my Bible that says the ark had a steering wheel. Anybody see that anywhere? I don't see any steering device. He's just floating. He's got nowhere to go except to float. Hey, this is Pastor Michael. Thank you for listening to Living Truth Radio today. Excited that you've joined us. Tell a friend about the program you're hearing here. And please keep us in prayer. We have some... Uh, exciting open doors for new radio stations. We have some exciting opportunities for some new time slots. And we could really use your prayer and your support. If you can give to the ongoing ministry of Living Truth Radio, we'd deeply appreciate it. It takes funds to be on the radio, and we're not a huge congregation, and we appreciate the support that we get from radio listeners. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. If you're anywhere near the Inland Empire and you don't have a home fellowship, you're not connected with a local church, we'd love to invite you to Living Truth Christian Fellowship. The radio ministry that you hear Monday through Friday on your station or on the weekend is really just an extension of the normal pulpit ministry in the life of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. And for those of you who are out of state or out of our area, we consider you family members as well. Uh, Living Truth certainly doesn't replace your local church, but we know you listen and we know you're praying for us and we appreciate it. Thank you for the support that you give to us, the encouragement, the emails that you send. We, We deeply appreciate it and we know that even when you don't send an email, that you are still part of what's going on and part of the listening family and we we appreciate you and we look forward to interacting with you again if we can be of any help to you send us an email or a message through the website livingtruthcorona.org or you can call us Monday through Friday we're here 9 to 5 Pacific time at 951-735-2856 God bless you thank you for listening and we'll catch up to you next time Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry, and we have an opportunity to expand our reach. We exist to build up believers and reach out with the gospel to others. And we need you, our listening family, to partner with us in prayer and in giving in order to do that. You can give in a couple different ways. One way is to go online to livingtruthradio.org, or you can send in your offering to Living Truth Christian Fellowship, 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California, 92880. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.